I'd like you to take a Bible and turn to Joshua chapter 1, if you would. Joshua chapter 1. If you're using one of the church Bibles, it's page 169. Joshua chapter 1. While you're turning to kind of set the context for what we're going to be talking about this morning, I have a movie clip I'd like to show you. It's from a very famous movie. I think many of you will recognize it. That, of course, is a scene from The Wizard of Oz. And the reason I show that is that if we're honest, many of us feel a connection with the cowardly lion, is that generally we feel a lack of courage. Whatever situation that we may be in life, we find ourselves almost embarrassingly so afraid on a regular basis. You know, perhaps you're like me. In my mind, I think to myself, oh, if I ever went through a season of unemployment, I know that I would face it with my trust in the Lord. And then we get in the middle of it and we're absolutely petrified. Or in our mind, we think to ourselves, if I experienced cyberbullying for being a Christian, I would bear the name of Jesus well, and then it happens, and we wake up in the middle of the night with panic attacks. Or we think, if I ever, God forbid, went through a season where my child was suffering from mental illness, I would walk with them, and yes, I know it would be tough, but I would love them, and I would not leave them, and I would stay with them, and then it happens. And you get in the middle of it and you feel like you're going to drown, like you can't even breathe. Maybe the situation you're in right now, the assignment you've been given by God, is one where you had hoped you would face it with great courage and great bravery. But instead you find yourself absolutely stricken with fear. You can't help but think about all the things that might go wrong. And you see a silly clip like this, and you think, well, I wouldn't mind if, I could, if there was a wizard who'd give me a dose of courage. I wouldn't mind if there was a magic potion that I could drink that would help me when I leave this place today to go and face what I'm facing with courage. It's embarrassing to be afraid. It's embarrassing to have panic. It's embarrassing to ourselves to think, shouldn't I be braver? Shouldn't I have more courage for what I'm going through? But in reality... If you're like me, we feel this way in the midst of our situations. But I've got good news for you this morning. Something better than a fake wizard with a fake potion that will just cause you to believe in yourself. I've got words from a real God that bring real courage to all of us this morning. You see, Joshua chapter 1 has words of encouragement for us. And so my prayer is, is that we would leave here full of courage. And that will happen not as we drink a fake potion, but as we hear the God of the universe speak to us actual words. And so let's listen as he speaks Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three times in this passage, God commands Joshua and the Israelites and us to be courageous. And the reason is, is anytime you're given an assignment from God, anytime you're faced with a situation, there is always an opportunity for fear and discouragement. Passage commands us, don't be discouraged. Now, it took me a while as I was studying this passage to realize discouraged is really discourage which means that when you go through discouraging things, they rob you of your courage. That you might walk into a situation feeling brave and courageous, and then something discouraging will happen to steal that courage from you. The Hebrew word for discourage actually literally means broken. It means demoralized. It's a word that's used when you come up against an enemy that's too big for you, when you've experienced a defeat, when you're overwhelmed with frustration at how difficult a task is. Like, for example, when we're asked to forgive somebody who we know we need to forgive, but we absolutely can't see how that could ever be possible. When we see the size of that task, when we realize that forgiveness in theory is fine, but when it re- results in a real person who's done real evil against us, actually forgiving them, that can be demoralizing. And it discourages us because it steals courage from us. And we find ourselves in a, se- a situation where we are now lacking in courage. And we're petrified and afraid. But God commands us to be encouraged. And see, the idea is just as there are things that steal our courage, there are things that encourage us or put courage into our lives and our hearts. And this morning in this passage, God has three truths that are designed to encourage our souls. That whatever you came from, whatever situation that you've been in or are in right now that has been stealing your courage, I have a word from the Lord for you and for me. Three truths designed to encourage us. The first is this. Whatever assignment you're facing, whatever difficulty you're in right now, whatever path you are walking down, God gave you this assignment. God gave you this assignment. In Joshua chapter 1, it's quite clear God's the one who gave the assignment. He's the one. Joshua didn't ask to go into the promised land. This wasn't Joshua's idea. The Israelites didn't come up with this. God is the one who has commanded them to go into the promised land. We see that earlier in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28, 
God is speaking to Moses about the fact that Moses is not going to lead the people into the promised land. And God's making arrangements for who will. God says to Moses, but commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. Joshua taking the people into the land is an assignment given to him by God. God has commissioned him for this job. And if you notice in this verse, the commissioning of God is connected to being encouraged and being strengthened. When we realize that the assignments that we go through in life, like Joshua, are given to us by God, we can be encouraged and strengthened as we face them. Now I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing that I regularly think. Well, of course Joshua is given an assignment. It's right here. It says it in the Bible. Yes, we know God's giving him an assignment, but what I'm going through, this is my own doing. What are the situation that I'm in the middle of? How do I know that God gave that assignment to me? Maybe I just made this assignment up for myself. Maybe you did. But don't forget what 1 Corinthians 7.17 says. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. Think about the immediate family or the extended family that you're in. Did you choose to be in that family? Did God not place you in that family? If your family is going through difficult situations, is that not God giving you an assignment? Didn't he place you in that family for just such a time as this? If you have a child who's walked away from the Lord, and you feel in your heart this longing, this desire to draw them back to God, where do you think that came from? Is that not God giving you the assignment to pray for, to be concerned for, to love that child? If someone in the women's ministry at Calvary Church asked you to lead an evangelistic neighborhood Bible study for women in your neighborhood, do you not think that God is the one who is giving you that assignment through the authority structures of the church? That as you go about doing that assignment to have that Bible study, that's not your idea or the women's ministry idea. Might that not be God giving you that assignment? If you go to the doctor... And the doctor says to you, you need to lose some weight and you need to exercise because you're doing damage to your body. Is it not possible that God is the one who's speaking through that doctor into your life, encouraging you to honor him with your body and to not make food an idol or whatever it may be? If you've recently given birth to a baby boy or a baby girl, you may think, my husband and I made a choice to have a child. I understand the logic of that. But who creates life? Did you create that life? Is this not life? Could that life have happened if God didn't create it? And if he created it, is that baby not an assignment from the Lord for you to love and to care for? We think way too many things in our lives are, are, are a result of us making choices. The truth of the matter is, God is the one who gives us the assignments. Not just if you find your name in a book of the Bible. 
with a specific command. But whatever situation of life you are in, that's the situation of life that God has assigned to you. Now the reason that this is so important is because when we realize that whatever you're facing, the health crisis you're going through, the family relationship, the divorce that you didn't want, the difficulty at work, the financial trouble, when we realize that this assignment has come to us from God, it opens the door for the greatest protection from fear there is. Do you know what the greatest shield or the greatest protection from fear that exists? It's obedience. You see, fear, doubt, worry, discouragement, anxiety, these are the tools of Satan. God never uses discouragement. God has never in the history of mankind ever discouraged anybody. That's not in his nature. He couldn't do it if he tried. That's not what he does. Fear, doubt, anxiety, worry, discouragement, those are tools of Satan. These are the fiery darts he shoots at all of us in the middle of our situations. These are the things that rob us of our courage. But James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The only way to drive Satan back, the greatest shield against his uh, tactics, is obedience and submission. When you submit to God, Satan must flee. Look, he doesn't have a choice. This is not up to him. And when we realize that the things that we're going through are assignments from God, now we have the chance to obey. Now we have the chance to submit. Now we have the chance to be protected from fear and from discouragement and from doubt because we can simply say, I'm choosing to obey. We can't control the outcome. We can't control the circumstances. But what we can control is whether we choose to obey or not. And when we obey, when we submit, Satan has no power. He cannot make us afraid. He cannot discourage us. He must flee. Listen, I've seen this work time and time again. I'm thinking of a person who's having difficulty academically in a class. Class was an, <clears throat> a class which had pretty difficult uh, academic material and there was a particular research uh, pr paper that this person was asked to do. Every time they opened up their books to try to read, to try to figure it out, they felt hopelessly confused and lost. Everybody else seemed to be able to handle the material. They seemed lost by it. Every time they sat down to write the paper, they became overwhelmed with fear. I'm going to fail. There's no way I can do this. I don't even understand what I'm reading. How in the world am I going to write a paper? I'm going to be horribly embarrassed. If anybody else ever reads this, the teacher, anyone else, it's going to be humiliating. Those are the tools of Satan. When that person realized, but wait a second. If the teacher assigned the paper and all authority comes from God, this paper is actually an assignment from God. God's the one that's actually asked me to do this. Armed with that knowledge, they then were able to simply say, I'm going to try to obey. 
I don't know what's going to happen. This may be the worst paper that's ever written. I may not understand any of this material, but God has asked me to obey, and so I'm going to. That makes the fear go away. I'm just going to sit down and get started, and I'm going to write something. Not because I think I know what I'm doing. Not because I think it's going to turn out well. I'm choosing to obey. I got an email this week from someone who has been asked by the women's ministry to do an evangelistic neighborhood Bible study uh, with women in her neighborhood. She's writing an email to say that when this assignment came, she recognized it as being from the Lord. But immediately, she became afraid. Specifically, she felt that she was supposed to put an invitation in the mailbox of every one of her neighbors. And there were certain mailboxes that absolutely petrified her. And she wanted to skip those mailboxes and simply put the invitations in just certain ones. She wrote in the email, she's like, if you would have seen me that day driving down the street, I was the crazy lady talking out loud to herself in my car, trying to convince myself, just do it. Just obey. When you decide, look, I don't know, these ladies may hate me, none of them may come, they all may, but I can't control that, but what I can control is I'm going to obey. That's the shield against fear. That's the shield against discouragement. If you think about, well, I'm responsible for all of these things, you will be immobilized by fear. But when you simply say, God has commanded me to do this, I'm going to obey, then Satan has no power. You and I can't control the outcome. We can't control the circumstances. But we can control whether we submit or not. And the reason why it's so important to realize that the assignments you're going through, the difficulties you're walking through, these are not random events. These did not simply happen because you're planning out your life. When we think we made choices and we gave ourselves the assignments, well, then we're in trouble. When we realize, no, God put me in this family. God gave me the relationships with these extended siblings. God is the one who allowed me to have this body that contracted this disease. God is the one who pushed me at that job in this situation with that boss. Now all of a sudden, every path that we're walking down is an assignment from God, and we have the opportunity to submit. And once we submit, Satan has no power. Which leads us to the second encouraging truth from this passage. God is responsible for the outcome. God is responsible for the outcome. Look in verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Wait a second. What if Joshua doesn't do everything right? What if everything, how, how can we know that he's going to be successful? How can he know that this is going to happen? Because God's in control of the outcome. He's responsible for how this turns out. Look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Listen, do you hear what this passage is saying? Our job according to this passage is obedience, right? You see that? What's God's job? To make us successful. 
He's responsible for the outcome. Now, the thing that's so encouraging for me is God could have written in this book. He could have simply said, hey, you obey, leave everything up to me, which is true. But notice what he actually says. You obey, and I promise you, you will be successful. Okay? You see him saying that, right? You obey, and I promise you, you will be successful. The assignment that I gave you will turn out well. It will end well. Now, hold on. Hold on. I know where you're going. I'm going there, too. Because he's God, and he gave us the assignment, and he's responsible for the outcome, he's the one who defines what success looks like. There are times where we have pictures in our mind of what a successful outcome to this assignment looks like, and God doesn't do those. That's because he says to us, you worry about the obeying, I'll worry about how this turns out, but I promise you, I promise you, I guarantee it, you will prosper and be successful. I think about a person that I had lunch with this week been diagnosed with a very serious form of cancer, came to the elders a couple of months ago for us to anoint him with oil and pray over him, just like James 5 says we're supposed to do. We anointed him with oil, we prayed over him, we begged God to bring healing, to completely miraculously heal his body. God hasn't chosen to do that yet. I had heard uh, that he was doing, in fact, actually worse. So we got together to have lunch this week. I had steeled myself for the fact that, well, this is, this is hard news. I wanted to come with words of encouragement or of comfort or just a shoulder to cry on, you know, weep with those who weep. I showed up at lunch and I just simply said, how's it going? And I heard story after story after story of what God was doing in the family, of what God was doing among friends, what God was doing among colleagues, stuff that would absolutely blow you away. He was literally, in my opinion, glowing with the Holy Spirit. Stuff that you're like, look, you could go years and years and not see all of this stuff happen. This was all happening in his life. It was unbelievable. Now, look, this wasn't the outcome I was praying for. This isn't the outcome he's praying for. We're, pray- we're still praying for complete healing. But in the middle of it, if you ask me at the, end of the, at the end of the lunch, how would I characterize how his life is going right now? The only words I would use are wildly successful. Not what I would have defined as success. But there is no other way to look at it except wildly successful. The gospel's going forward from this person. His family is seeing Jesus in him in a powerful way. Great stuff is happening. That's the promise The promise is, look, God's in control or responsible for the outcome. And you will be successful. We don't get to define the success. I'm with you. I want to. I do too. Trust me, I do. But I'm promising you. The success God has in mind for us is far greater than we would have picked for ourselves. And the guarantee is not just that he's responsible for the outcome, but that you will be successful. You will be successful. Now we say, but what if I mess up along the way? 
What if I say the wrong thing to my spouse? What if I get in court and I, and I make a bad statement? What if I send an email that I'm not supposed to send? What if I give way to sin or, or other things that I know I'm not supposed to give way to? Can't I mess this up? Can't I take that outcome and throw it into jeopardy? Well, that leads us to the third encouraging truth from this passage. Not only is God the one who gave us this assignment, and not only is God responsible for the outcome, God will always be with us as we go through this. Verse number five. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This past summer we did a construction project, a sort of medium-sized construction project on our house. Now, I was kind of excited. It was some uh, remodeling that was happening. And I was excited because since this was my house and I'm not super handy, I thought, well, here would be a chance for me to learn some things and to be able to do some stuff. Nobody in their right mind would let me work on their houses with my skills, but it's my house. (laughs) Plus, most of the people who were doing the work were from Calvary. And I figured, well, they can't say no if I tell them I want to help out. (laughs) And so I did. And so it was great. Uh, people were very accommodating, the trim carpenter, the brick mason, the electrician, uh, all sorts of people uh, who allowed me to kind of participate. And they would give me assignments, and I would do my assignment, and uh, it was great. I learned a lot. Uh, it was a lot of fun, great interaction. But I did notice that the assignments that I got kind of fell into sort of three categories, if you will. <laughs> One, well, I'll just give you an example. Okay, so the builder, uh, we were talking about uh, putting insulation in the garage. And so that was on the docket. We were going to do that. I was volunteering to be the person to kind of help with that. Well, we kind of closed down for the day. The builder went home, and I thought to myself, I'm going to get started tonight. You know, and I'm going to show him when he shows up tomorrow. Look at all this great work that I've done. You know, and I'm going to impress him, and he's going to be like, wow, what a great job. You should have your carpentry license. So (laughs) I did what anybody in my situation would do. I sat down and got on YouTube. And I Googled, how do you hang bats of insulation in a wall? I found a very helpful video. Some guy spent a lot of time making a video about how to hang insulation in the walls. And so I watched it. I went out in my garage. I did the exact thing that the guy in the YouTube video did. I think I worked till maybe like 11 or 12 at night, maybe 1 in the morning. I mean, I worked hard. I was super proud. I couldn't wait for the next morning. Next morning, a builder comes back. Open up the garage. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. There they all are. Wonderful. Yes, of course, you know. The builder says to me, that's really great. (laughs) You do need to know that we hang insulation differently in the house than we do in the garage. I had watched a YouTube video for how you hang insulation in the house. I had hung all the insulation. I'd stapled it all to the wrong parts of the wood. So I got to undo it and redo it. That was one kind of assignment. Sometimes, however, people would give me assignments and they would go to another part of the house for a few hours and then come back and see how I was doing. Now those I felt a little better about because I'm like, if I'm really messing this up, 
I know that they're going to come back and tell me that I've messed up and I won't have eight or nine hours uh, that I have done my own thing for. But you know what the best kind of assignments were? They were the ones where the trim carpenter or the builder or the brick mason or whoever gave you an assignment and then stood right there while you did it. They kind of watched while you used the table saw or whatever. Now the reason this was so reassuring is because at some point if you had a, you know, a mental lapse and you're like, now am I supposed to cut on the inside of this line or the outside of this line? You could just simply turn and ask before you actually made the cut. Or, you know, if you're in the middle of something and you're thinking, if I'm doing this wrong, I'm sure they're going to jump in. Because ultimately, even though it was my house, they're responsible for the work that they're doing and they want to do a good job. They don't want to see this messed up. And so I know, look, if I'm doing this wrong, they're going to stop me. They're going to say something like, hey, you don't want to do it that way. I also knew that there were times where, okay, this seems to be like a really important cut. This seems to be a real priority. I need to not mess this up, and I'm getting it ready to, get to, to make this cut, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, if I mess this up, we're going to have a lot of work. And so I think to myself and then say to them, why don't you do this one and I'll watch? And when they stand right there, they say, no, 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 you got it. I'm here. Don't worry. I'm, I'm, I can take care of this. I'm watching. But you know the most reassuring thing they could possibly say was? Listen. There's nothing that you can do to this house that I can't fix. That was reassuring. <laughs> That's what God is saying here. Listen, the assignments that I give you, I'm going to be standing right there with you while you do them. If you got questions about what to do, just turn and ask me. If I'm not saying anything right now, it's probably because you're doing a good job. When you need words of encouragement, I'm going to be right there and give them to you. I'm not going away for a couple of hours and then come back. I'm not going away overnight and then coming back. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. If you start doing something that's going to mess up the project, I'm going to tell you. I'm right there. For example, if you're going to send an email that's going to cause us some issues, I'm going to gently nudge you and say, don't send that email. If you're not listening, I'm going to nudge you a little bit harder to say, don't send that email. If you still send that email, I can forgive you and I can still repair whatever it is that you've done. God is the master builder of the house. He's responsible for getting the thing built. Now listen, the guys who came and worked on my house, the people who came and worked on my house, they could have done it all without me, but it would have not nearly been as much fun for me if they had. God can do everything he wants to do without us but it's not nearly as much of a blessing for us if he does. We get to learn something, we get to participate, and best of all, we get to develop a friendship with God. As he stands there saying, no, I know that you're scared, but you can do this. I'm right here. Nothing is going to happen that I can't fix. There is nothing you can do that I can't make right. Don't be afraid. Now, hold on. If we rebel, if we choose not to listen, if we don't want to obey, that's a different issue. That's not going to go well. That's not going to result in success. But listen, if you want the assignment you're thinking about right now to go well, it will. Because God will be with you. And if, look, by mistake you don't hear him right the first time, he'll tell you again. If you mess up and you don't ask him, he'll show up and help you. That's what he does. 
He's kinder than any builder. He's kinder than any parent. He's kinder than you would be. He's standing right there with you saying, I swear to you, I will not leave this spot. When you walk into that courtroom, I'm going to be right there with you. When you visit the doctor, I will be right there with you. When you sit down at your computer to compose that email, I will be right there with you. When you go to that family meeting that you're absolutely dreading, God is saying, look, I will be right there with you. And if you're saying stuff and he's not stopping you, it's probably because you're doing the assignment pretty well. It's probably because not everything rides or falls on that word or this word that God's like, look, I've got this. There is nothing you're going to be able to do that I can't fix. If you don't want to obey, that's a problem. But if you want to see this assignment get done in absolute success, don't have any fear. God's right there with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If he's gone silent, it may be because you're doing a really good job. It may be because he's really proud of you. Every assignment from God carries with it the opportunity for discouragement. The evil one wants to come and steal our courage. If you feel cowardly, and afraid, please don't think there's something wrong with you. It's just the evil one has stolen your courage. None of us are immune to that. But God brought you here this morning to speak three encouraging truths to you. Number one, God himself gave you this assignment. This isn't your choice, this is him. Number two, he's responsible for the outcome and you will be successful. Our job is to be obedient. His job is to take care of the outcome. And number three, and most important of all, not once, not for one minute, not for any reason, will he ever leave us or forsake us. Listen, Joshua doesn't do everything perfectly. We're going to see, we're going to see mistakes that he makes. We don't do everything perfectly. Now, I'm not talking about just little mess-ups. I'm talking about sin. But God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you for any reason, under any circumstances. My friends, don't be afraid. Be encouraged. God is with you. Let's pray together. Father, may your spirit take these, his words, and use them to fill us with courage. God, each one of us, as brave as we may think we are, have had our courage stolen from us at time, uh, one time or another. God, this week we may have walked through life in such a way that discouraging things have happened to us. God, we've shown up here this morning because we're ready to be encouraged. And so, God, I ask that you would continue speaking whereas when I have to, sp- when I have to stop. And I pray that your spirit would continue to speak about these words of encouragement. I pray that your spirit would bring to mind the particular situations for each one of us individually that you're talking about right now. And God, I pray that you would help us to know that you're the one who's done this, that you're in control of it, God. God, I even pray that you just help us to obey. Lord, thank you that you're with us. Thank you that we get to do this together. Lord, that we're never alone. God, we praise you for that. Thank you for the words of encouragement you've offered to us today. Amen.